Live from Nashville, Tennessee, it's Dawn and Steve in the morning. Good morning from Moody Radio. Have you ever read the Bible but missed the gospel? Ben Connolly is, Connolly is joining us to let us know how that's possible, if it's possible. Oh, I think it's very, very possible. I think we see this happening an awful lot, and we don't want to leave it untalked about. I, I think that is something that if we just sweep it under the rug, we are missing an opportunity to look at the truth of Scripture and not miss the gospel. Ben Connolly, a pastor, author, equipper, and occasional professor. Ben, good morning. Good morning. It's good to be back with you guys. Where are you occasionally professoring? Um, I've gotten to teach at TCU, which is in my hometown of Fort Worth. Uh, people now know of them because they're oh, in the yeah. college football playoffs. And then uh, I've gotten to do some work with uh, Western Seminary in Portland as well. Very good. Well, we're glad that you are teaching the class today here on Moody Radio. And we're talking about... <laughs> well done. The, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, that you have written this book called Reading the Bible and Missing the Gospel. W- what's going on here? How are we missing the gospel as we're reading through Scripture? Yeah. So the premise is it is really good to read our Bibles. For That's, that's the starting point. We have to start there because um, otherwise we can sw- swing the pendulum away from it. So it is really good, really, really, really wise to, to dwell with Jesus in the Scriptures. At the same time, Jesus himself tells religious leaders of his day, and this is right out of John chapter 5, he says, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have life. But it's the scriptures that actually bear witness about me, but you refuse to come to me that you may have true life. And and I just, I wonder if God would tell his people the same thing today. As good as it is to read the scriptures, if we don't read it through the right lens, it can actually become more of a burden for us and kind of a, you know, Paul talks about this in Galatians, it can become a new law for us and we feel like we have to figure it out or we have to accomplish things or we have to follow all the rules that doesn't feel like eternal life. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we realize that the scriptures actually point us to Jesus in him, he invites us into eternal life. All right. So that lens that you're talking about, how do we make sure that we have that right lens? And I guess let's even back up before that and say, what is the lens that we should approach the scriptures with? Yeah, I think the the, the right starting point, and this is a little bit different maybe for uh, how some of us have have been raised or taught to to read the scriptures, the right starting point is it's not about me. The Bible is not about me. Rather, mm-hmm. the Bible is God's story. Um, it's primarily about what He is doing, has been doing, is doing. It's His character. It's His work from creation to new creation, from from Genesis to Revelation. And if we can raise our eyes to go, okay, what is God doing in all sixty six books? But also, what is God doing? Who is God in this book or this passage or this story or this command or this verse? Then we have the right starting point. Ben, you're challenging me because I like to wear my T-shirt that says Philippians 4.13. And you're talking about all 66 (laughs) books. Why should I stop and know more about what God's Word says other than the verse that applies, I think, to me? You said the Scriptures are not about me. Yeah, and so I think the the if we realize that the Bible's primarily first about God, then if we see him as our main as the main character, then we can rightly go, okay, what does the Bible say about humans? And there are positive things sometimes. There's exhortations and commands and this kind of stuff. 
But what's interesting is even like the best heroes of the stories of the Bible, the best human heroes, they're still sinful. They're, they're still broken. They're still going to die. Um, and, and so we hear a lot, Jesus is the hero, and, and he is. He's the true and better hero. He's the one who wasn't broken, wasn't sinful, didn't die, or dead and he rose. He's alive now. Um, and, and at the same time, uh, we go going, oh, man, I want to be more like him. Again, we, we take on a burden that we can't accomplish. Um, and so the freedom that comes from the Bible, when we read it rightly, is to say, we can try, but we're going to fail. And that's not something to be ashamed of. That's something that's promised in the scriptures. But the good news is that it's in our failure, in our brokenness, in our need that Jesus's life, death, resurrection, and reign become even better news. Ben, if I think that I'm going to read and fail, then I feel a little defeated. What would mm-hmm. be the remedy to, to just ignoring the scriptures altogether? Yeah. Let me give you one example. Um, so in, in the book, we talk about forgiveness. And sometimes we hear Jesus in his death took our sin as far as the East is from the West. We also very commonly hear every time you every time you sin, you have to go ask God for forgiveness. And those two things have their attention with each other. If it's already been removed, why do I have to ask for forgiveness? And and so we can feel in that command when we read the Bible, or we feel like, oh man, I've sinned again. I, I need to ask God for forgiveness. We can go to God with fear or trepidation or shame and go, God, is this the one that was too much for you? <laughs> is this the one that, that you're not going to forgive if we're asking him for forgiveness? The, the truth in the Bible, though, is that after the resurrection, for those of us who are in Christ, we're, we're not commanded even once to ask God for forgiveness for our continued sin. Um, there is the, you know, when we sin against each other, let's ask forgiveness. There is the first, when we first repent and receive Jesus, we ask for forgiveness. But, but after the resurrection, there's no commands to ask God for forgiveness. Rather. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I think I know what you're going to ask, but go for it. Well, I I think you were about to answer that. So I (laughs) pick up with rather. Sounds good. Rather the posture when we realize sin in our life, because we all have sin in our life still is what the Bible calls confession. So we get to confess our sins. But confessing and asking for forgiveness are different things. Asking says, God, will you, could you even forgive this one? Confession says, God, I've realized this thought, I've realized this action, I've realized my sin. But the answer to confession, and some traditional churches do this really well, is the concept of assurance. And so it's not a God needs to forgive you again. It's when we confess our sin, we're reminded even that has already been forgiven. And there's just so much freedom, and it makes the gospel sound like so much better news to realize, oh, this thing that I'm seeing in myself, realizing in myself, even that has already been taken care of. Talking with uh, Ben Connolly, and uh, I want to pick back up on that uh, confession, repentance, are they the same thing? We're going to kind of get back to that in just a moment. Ben is a pastor, author, occasional professor, and equipper. He has written a book, Reading the Bible, Missing the Gospel, Recovering from the Shockingly Common Ways that We Get the Bible Wrong in Our Everyday Lives. One of those ways is sometimes I think we kind of confuse our identity, but knowing who we are in Christ such an important, important thing on Moody Radio. 
Helping you take your next step with Jesus with Dawn and Steve in the morning. Let us know how Moody Radio has helped you. Ben Connolly with us. He is pastor, author, occasional professor. He's written the book, Reading the Bible, Missing the Gospel, Recovering from the Shockingly Common Ways that We Often get uh, the Bible wrong in our everyday lives. And Ben, I want to pick up on something we were talking about just a moment ago. You were talking about on this side of the cross, when someone has come to faith in Jesus, and they have that genuine relationship with him. Bible really doesn't, uh, well, it talks about us confessing of our sin. But as we think about repentance, the confession is a part of that. Isn't there a little bit more to it? I guess my, my point is, isn't the next step then obedience? Oh, certainly, yeah. Um, and and by all means, I think that you know, even to back up for another minute, when we've sinned against other people, it's right and good to ask forgiveness. Um, when we first come to come to Jesus, we're asking Him to receive, you know, His His forgiveness. This kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Paul will say things like, you know, should I consent? Should I continue to sin so that grace may increase? He says, of course not. Um, I think the freedom comes and. We all have these things in our lives that try as we might, that's still there, right? These thoughts, these mm-hmm. habits, these kind of things. And so for many people that I know, and I've been a pastor for over 20 years, for, for a lot of folks in our church, they can, they can become so shame-filled over those things. And I've heard multiple times, can God even forgive this? Is, is this such, if I do it again, like what is, what is God's tick mark line? And finally, like, he's just going to have enough <laughs> of me. Yeah. Um, and so the freedom that comes, if we realize the depth of Jesus's work on the cross, that when we say the cross is the full and final sacrifice, that it really is that, um, then it just frees us to when we do fail, even as we do try, and again, try and fail is, you know, not the most spiritual of words probably, but but when we do realize that we're still not holy, we're still not perfect, it's not an up and to the right kind of life, um, it's a lot more jagged <laughs> on the <laughs> line, um, all of those things are already forgiven. And so the call is to obedience, uh, be holy as I am holy, follow me as I follow the example of Christ, Paul says, and yet none of us, including Paul, could do that perfectly. And so we do get to rely on God's spirit to fill us and help make us more obedient, help make us more like Christ, less in the flesh, more in the spirit, this kind of stuff. And our posture becomes one of dependence, dependence on Jesus for already forgiving us, and then dependence on the spirit to produce any good fruit in us. Because we've also all read the scriptures and been like, oh man, there's a, there's a command, I'll try really hard, and then if we miss it, we feel like, oh, gosh, I've missed it again. Mm-hmm. God, surely, surely that one's too far. But if the Spirit's the one who gives us life and bears fruit in us, then our obedience is one where we're just pressing into what he is inviting us into and empowering us for rather than us trying to white-knuckle it and do things by our own power. Mm, ben, what I hear you saying is there is so much more to the Christian life, so much depth that Christ offers us through the power of his spirit that will never really truly kind of scratch the surface because he is so eminent. But we do tend to want to leave, live in this hashtag blessed world. But Mm -hmm. there, there is something to that because in Christ we are blessed. Mm -hmm. What do you mean when, 
I mean, you're helping us parse out what it means to live hashtag blessed, but what are you telling us? Yeah. Um, so it kind of goes uh, along with what we were just saying, that there's a way to look at my life, even the rules I see in the Bible and go, okay, I can either do this by my power or I can do this through God's spirit. Um, in the same way, um, all of us in some ways have been blessed. Uh, we're, we're told in Ephesians, we in Christ, we have every spiritual blessing. Um, and at the same time, like there's different moments where we receive favor or receive some provision or receive something that feels a little bit more tangible. Um, the the hashtag element of that is is seen anytime we go on you know Instagram or social media or this kind of stuff. And the way that that we often think in today's world of what a blessing is is basically getting something that I want. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's unexpected. Maybe it's some lavish thing, you know, from a new car to a new baby to, you know, getting in a car wreck and not being hurt. And so, you know, there's some good things, but but it's some form of like, I, I got something that benefits me. I got something that, that I want. Um, the biblical view of blessing is that, yes, God does give to his people some benefit, some favor at times. Um, yes but it's not to use for ourselves or it's not to make ourselves happy. Mm -hmm. um, everything from, you know, God calling Abraham, he says, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. Mm -hmm. um, a truly blessed life as defined by the scriptures and seen most fully again in the life, death, resurrection and reign of Jesus is one where we take the favor God gives us and take the things that God gives us. And rather than use them for ourselves, we use them for the glory of God and the good of others. That is so true. Even through the valley of the shadow of death, he walks with us. Therefore, as a believer in Christ covered by his righteousness, we are always hashtag blessed. As we talk about what scripture says and how it applies to our life, we're talking to Pastor Ben Connolly this morning, reading the Bible, missing the gospel, how we can recover from a shockingly common way that we might get the Bible wrong in our everyday lives. So grateful to Ben. Thank you for taking time to share this tough conversation, but hopefully life-changing on Moody Radio. Thanks for listening to Dawn and Steve in the Morning. On YouTube today, Ali Patterson shares about how to stay standing. Just go to youtube.com forward slash at Dawn and Steve. When we have these great conversations and we get a chance to put them on Zoom and then, of course, record them like the one we're having this morning with our friend, the Reverend Percy McRae, as you are you are the uh, podcaster when it comes to health, hope and inspiration. And we've connected you to Percy, especially because of the journey that we're dealing with cancer, oftentimes our friends, our family. They are going down this road, and we want to be helpful, Percy. We don't want to be the one that causes more harm than they're already dealing with emotionally. And battling cancer is difficult, any patient. It's uh, physical impact and emotional impact as well. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, we want to be helpful. We want to be empowered. And we want those that we are surrounding to feel uh, that they are loved, valued, and that uh, we are there for them. And so today we're going to talk about 
uh, with that introduction, the emotional needs of cancer patients. Uh, believe it or not, there are emotional dynamics that we need to feel uh, empowered to address. Obviously, they're going through physical uh, components, but there are some emotional elements and aspects. And so there are three specific areas today that I'd like to share with you. Uh, and this is all excerpt from uh, my free downloadable resources. I have about 60 or 70 of them. You can go to healthhopeandinspiration.com and download download this or any others free of charge, health, hope, and inspiration.com. But today we want to talk about uh, emotional needs of cancer patients. And number one, we need to be physically present. Uh, the greatest ability, I have people who ask me all the time, I don't know if I'm able to do this. I, I don't know if I have the skill set. At the end of the day, if you have nothing else, you do have availability. The greatest ability that you can bring to a cancer patient's life is your presence or your availability. And so imagine the anxiety and despair of a cancer diagnosis or the confusion of treatment options. Compound these emotions with the day-to-day -day grind, stresses, and obligations of life and the world can really seem very unbearable to this to this community. Showing support by being present can be a source of invaluable comfort and help to a cancer patient. So four quick things, particularly when they are going to their healthcare visits and seeing their healthcare team, offer to go with them and if accepted, uh, visit with them and be there with them during their appointments. Be their eyes and ears because at some point cancer patients get overwhelmed and overloaded with information. Sometimes they stop processing. So you can take notes and ask questions during their appointments. Very important. Stay with them during their chemotherapy treatments. Just be there with them. You don't necessarily have to say anything, but be present. Hold their hand. Uh, do a crossword puzzle with them. Play chess, checkers, and partner with family members and wait with them, especially after a surgery. These are things that anyone can do in terms of being available or present physically for a cancer patient. Such uh, great insights and practical things that we can do. And again, many of these things that Percy's talking about, you can do a deeper dive by going to his website. It is healthhopeandinspiration.com. Ton of free downloads there. You can connect to the podcast. Encourage you to uh, do that, that podcast, Health, Hope, and Inspiration. And you can find that at your favorite podcast platform. You're going to be able to uh, access that there as well. We're going to continue to talk about how we can be that emotional support with Percy in just a few minutes, so stay with us here on Moody Radio. Miss part of the show, remember to connect with us on Facebook at Dawn and Steve in the Morning. Talking with Reverend Percy McRae this morning about being available, encouragement to cancer patients, and availability, Percy, was one of those things. He said we need to be physically present with those who are going through cancer. Also, you talk about not only being there, but being a source of joy. Absolutely. So again, we need to lean in and not away from cancer patients. And so being a source of joy, obviously, uh, a cancer journey can bring a sense of darkness uh, and fear to people involved in that process. So we may not be able to change those circumstances, but we can be a positive influence. So let's laugh with a cancer patient. Let's help them laugh. The Bible says that laughter does good like a medicine. You know, share jokes and funny stories when appropriate, obviously and be mindful and sensitive, but ultimately at the end of the day, attempt to 
to bring some levity to the situation and help the cancer patient to laugh when possible. Bring beauty into their lives. How about this, ladies? Flowers, potted plants, uh, home decor items are a great way to show that you care for them. So these are simple things, but again, it can help lift and buoy the spirit. And how about sharing different uh, new things to share from a pleasure perspective, such as art, music, poetry. How about getting involved in a new hobby with your with your cancer patient? You know, go walk at a festival if they're physically able uh, to get out and about. Do some things that simply are fun and light that will help take their mind off of and away from the treatment process. Again, these can be types of joy that you can help source for them and experience while they're working through the rigors of the mental, emotional, and physical process of a cancer journey. Mm-hmm, because that rigor is so difficult, so challenging. And of course, every day is kind of a new battle. But you can lose perspective in that, can't you, uh, Percy? When we want to come and help bring perspective, do we remind them of goodness? How can we do that? Absolutely. So this is the third area because sometimes cancer patients are so busy with the moment of the fight that they can lose scope of where they have been, what their life is, and what potentially it can be. So let's help to remind them of things that are good. While enduring this battle, it's easy to lose that perspective. So help them look beyond their present circumstances toward future goals and plans. I've often found out what was important to cancer patients, vacations, anniversaries, uh, children graduating from uh, college, et cetera. Remind them of that to give them something Uh, to shoot for. I tell people you can't tell folks to swim to the other shore if you don't give them a shoreline to look at. So remind them of things that they still want to do that they haven't done yet that can be a motivating component. Ask them to share stories about important moments in their lives. Help them to kind of reflect and think about retirements and achievements and occasions that brought them great joy and happiness. And then ask them about their family and what makes them proud. It's nothing like asking an individual, uh, what makes you proud about your kids or your grandchildren? And I tell you, all you have to do is stop. They will give you a ton of things to think about and ruminate over. You now are reminding them of the goodness of their life and potentially motivating them to continue to fight the good fight. Love that. And as we bring about that encouragement and joy and are physically present there, sometimes, uh, Percy, as you've said, it's not always appropriate to go for the levity, to go for the joke, to go for this or that. Sometimes there's there's real pain. And so talk in the last moments we have together about entering into that with compassion and to, and to be a comfort. Absolutely. So there are times that, to your point, that there are simply dynamics of struggle emotionally that people are working through and wrangling with. So with that, don't ignore uncomfortable topics or feelings. Don't run from that. Don't hide it. Don't ignore it. People may need to process that. So sometimes we try to be positive all of the time. And there's now a new term in our lexicon that we need to remember. It's called toxic positivity, where all we're trying to do is just be positive and we ignore things and people are suppressing and they need to be able to decompress that. So help them to kind of uh, work through and do not uh, run from uncomfortable topics. Don't be afraid of unexpected tears or emotions. Encourage them to express their emotions. 
afflictions. The Bible says that we should weep with those who weep and we should rejoice with those who rejoice. So there may be a time that we just need to sit there and have a good cry and it's okay. Give them a shoulder and give them a Kleenex and be prepared to help them step through that. This becomes important as we offer comfort and compassion. You and I can do that as we lock arms with our loved ones while in the midst of a cancer journey. So good. Percy McRae with us. He is uh, with now uh, or with uh, City of Hope, formerly the Cancer Treatment Centers of America, healthhopeandinspiration.com. I want to encourage you to go check out that website. Not only will you find links to the award-winning podcast, but tons of free resources that he is available there, including what we're talking about today, emotional needs of cancer patients. The website, again, it is healthhopeandinspiration.com. I want to encourage you to go check that out. Bookmark that page so you can get back there easily. Don and Steve in the morning on Moody Radio.